Thank y'all so much. Would y'all mind turning in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4 for me? Also, parents, we will not be having wiggle worms this morning, so we're all going to nestle in together, get real cozy. Every time that we get into the Lord's house, my prayer is this, that we would come away loving our Lord Jesus more. That's my prayer, that we would get into his word, spend time in his presence, and leave this place saying, Jesus, I know you better, and I love you more. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to pray one more time. And I want to just have you do something for me. I'd like for you to picture that you are maybe at like a coffee shop, or maybe that you are uh, sitting down somewhere where it's real quiet. And I know that none of us have ever done this before, but I want you to picture that Jesus is literally just sitting with you. Can you do that for me? I want you to close your eyes. I want you to picture that you're just sitting somewhere with Jesus. And what we're going to do this morning is we're going to talk about anxiety. We're going to talk about just when we are struggling with anxious thoughts. And what I want us to do is I want us to spend a couple seconds, couple minutes in prayer and truly think about what would we say to Jesus if we were just struggling with anxious thoughts? If we were struggling with anxiety, what would we say? Fathers, I spend time studying your word. I feel such relief knowing in that you are so good. And Lord Jesus, I've, I'm comforted knowing that you are here in this room. Father, your, your spirit is with us. Your Holy Spirit is speaking to us. It is so easy for us to take our eyes off of you and to place it in ourselves. And so my prayer this morning is that as we spend time glorifying you, spending time in your presence, that we would be able to put away fear, that we would be able to put away things that are drawing our attention away from you. We are here this morning, Lord Jesus, to know you. And I pray that you would be glorified in all that we do for you this morning. We praise you, and we thank you for your son, Jesus, and it's in his name I pray. Amen. So here's my first question for us this morning. What was the first thing that you thought about whenever you woke up? Think about it. Or another question would be, what was the thing that you thought about before you went to bed? Usually, the thing that we think on is the thing that really is important to us. Maybe some of us were thinking about 2019. Now, I just got to tell you, I'm excited about 2019. It's going to be a good year for the Johnson household. Do I know what all the Lord's going to do? No, but I'm trusting that it's going to be a great year. But to tell you the truth, sometimes you think about the future and you think about this upcoming year and you might be thinking, oh, good grief. I don't, I don't really know what's going to happen. And there's an uncertainty. There's a, the thought that comes to your mind, what is going to happen and is God going to come through for me? Maybe there is an illness in the family. Maybe there's some financial things going on that just makes us really, really anxious. Now let me tell you, the word worry is an old English word that we get to strangle. The word worry means to strangle, and that's how worry feels sometimes as we look at anxiety and as we look at just what the Bible has to say about it. We know that Scripture makes it very clear. God doesn't want us to worry. God doesn't want us to be anxious. But let me tell you something. For the believer, for the Christian, we can find victory over worry. We can find victory over just the anxious thoughts. But if you don't know Jesus, you really can never find that true peace. And that's what's so sad, is that we live lives with people who don't have the truth. 
that they aren't getting to walk in the security of God giving them peace and strength through worry. But we do have this. Amen? We do have a strength. We do have His Holy Spirit living within us. But here's what can be so sad and so terrible is whenever we're struggling with anxiety, when we're struggling with worry, when we're unsure about the future, and we don't trust. When we know that we have our Lord Jesus to help us, and we just still worry. Well, if you turn to Philippians 4, you know what Paul has to say about it. Now, do you remember the circumstances of Philippians? Do you know why Paul wrote this letter? Well, Paul wrote this letter because he's in prison. It seems to me he has a lot to worry about. So he's writing, and he says this in verse 6 of Philippians chapter 4. He says, be anxious for what? Nothing. He says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, brethren, whatever is true, oh, I love this. Ready for this? Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. So let's ask ourselves, were these the things that we were thinking on this morning? Were we thinking on things that were pure this morning? Were we thinking on things that are right, honorable? Or if we were honest with God, remember I told you, we're, we're just sitting with him, we're just hanging out with him at a coffee shop. Would we be able to say to him, God, I was thinking on things this morning that brought glory to you? Or would we have to be honest and say, you know what, I was struggling with some worry this morning. There were some things I couldn't shake I went to bed last night and I was just thinking on some things that I know were just kind of stressing me out. When I woke up, I was still kind of dwelling on that. And what we see from the heart of God is he doesn't want us to deal with those things. Let me just brag on Jesus for a couple minutes. Are you all fine with that? I'm going to just brag on Jesus and just remind you of a couple things. The first thing is that we know that 1 Peter chapter 2 says that Jesus is the guardian of our souls. And that's a relief. He is the guardian of my soul. So what happens to me, he cares about it. How do I know he cares? Well, he says so in 1 Peter chapter 5. He cares for me. So instead of worrying, I'm supposed to go to Jesus first and say, here are my cares. I'm worrying about this. You read through the Psalms, you find all sorts of places where it says he is our refuge. He is our refuge. We know in John chapter 10 that Jesus is called our good shepherd, you know when you've seen sheep and you've seen how they respond to the shepherd, you know that they go running to that shepherd. They're so trusting. They know his voice and they love him. And so we know that we serve a Savior and that we love a Savior who truly cares. Aren't you relieved that when Jesus looks into the future, he knows what's going to happen? Isn't that a relief that Jesus doesn't go, well, I just don't know what's going to happen to you. And we'll go in this together and I'll be here. I'm, I'm strong and I can take care of you, but really I don't know what's going to happen. That's not him at all. Jesus knows exactly what is going to happen. And yet, there's some symptoms that come up in our life in there. There's some things that come up where we are showing that we're fearful. We start to have things I like to call intrusive thoughts. Now, intrusive thoughts are the things that they come in your brain and you just can't shake them. Anybody ever deal with that? You try to get over it. You're trying to move on with your day. Uh, it can be very small things, like you thought that you locked the door, and then you get in your car and you go, I don't know if I locked that door. I think that if an intruder comes to my house, they might be able to barge in. Little things like, did I leave the stove on? 
And yet, what might seem small, the enemy is able to say, perfect, right where I want you, being stressed, being fearful. What is so incredible is that we as Christians forget that the enemy hates us and that he will do everything he can to take our focus off of Jesus and to begin to rely on our own strength. What's incredible to me is that he thinks, and he can be sometimes right, I hate giving him credit, but he can be right sometimes, where he will tempt us to think that if we begin to worry and if we begin to be the one to put a lot of thought into our future, that somehow we'll be able to change our problems. So instead of relying on God, he'll say, well, you can fix the future. And so that's why we'll stress out. But when you get down to the root, when you get down to the symptoms, I think there's a couple things that we get really, really afraid of. The first one is we get afraid of pain. Wouldn't you agree? The reason we stress out and get anxious about things in our life is that we're just afraid of pain. We're just not wanting things to happen that are bad. The second thing is, is that we're really afraid of losing control. So we'll worry about things because we know if I trust God, then that means I'm not in totally control of things. So that will cause us to stress out. And the third thing I would say is that we really enjoy relying on our own strength. And to rely on God is just sometimes hard. But here's the root of that. When we get to the root of worry, it shows that we're just having a lack of trust in Jesus. Anytime that we're truly worrying and not allowing the Lord to take away those anxious thoughts, what we're revealing is that we just don't trust him very well. So what I want you to do is I want you to close your Bible. And now I want you to open it right back up to the book of Genesis. Book of Genesis is where we're going to be hanging out for a couple minutes. I want to talk to you about my friend Jacob. Now our Sunday school class for the youth, we've been going over the life of Jacob. And he's very, he's very intriguing because one moment he's doing great things for the Lord. And then the next moment he's making terrible blunders. And so I'd like you to go to the book of Genesis chapter 32. If you know anything about Jacob, then you know that he's tricky. And he's always after a blessing. He's always wanting a blessing. And that's one of the things that really we're after as well, isn't it? We want a blessing. We're looking for things out of this life that will bless us. And, and I think that that, again, is another root of why we worry, is we're afraid that if there's certain things that don't happen, that we're going to miss out on God's best. And so we try to finagle things and try to go about ways and we can be really, really rash. And we can make choices without spending time in prayer. We can make quick choices that end up later stressing us out. That is just Jacob to a T. You don't really notice him when things are going bad, going and talking to the Lord. You see him really most of the time just kind of making quick decisions. That whole incident with the wedding where he thinks he's marrying his beloved Rachel and it ends up being Leah. You don't really see him spending time going, God, what should I do? He just goes with the flow. And so sometimes in our lives, we begin to just get stressed out because instead of just stopping going, God, what do I do? We go with this flow. Well, one thing leads to another in Jacob's life, and he's been serving his father-in-law, Laban, who's not a good guy. And he realizes that Laban has just been cheating him out of money. And so Jacob says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to leave. I'm going to go back home to where my family is. But he knows that there's somebody waiting on him. It's Esau. Now, if you remember about Esau, Jacob had tricked Esau and taken his birthright over some stew. I hope it was good stew. hope it was worth it for Esau because he gave over his birthright. And then Jacob stole the blessing that his father Isaac was going to give to Esau. Do you remember that? You remember the story? So Jacob's going to come home. 
But he knows that Esau is waiting with 400 men. There's 400 men waiting for Jacob. Now in Jacob's mind, he doesn't know all the information, but he just begins to stress out and he begins to worry. I love this. Look at Genesis 32 verse 1 with me in your Bibles. I don't think it's on the screen, but look at verse 1. It says, as Jacob went on his way, the angels of God met him. So he's returning home and it says the angels of God met him. That is wonderful. Boy, wouldn't you like that? On the way home from First Baptist Cranview, the angels of God met so-and-so. That would be a great part to your day, wouldn't it? So Jacob is leaving. He's heading back home and he meets angels. And then we see something very interesting. He just begins talking to God. And here, starting around verse 9, he gives this wonderful prayer. Oh, it's so incredible. He starts being very honest with God about his fears. And then something happens. He comes out of the encounter with God and he begins to stress out. He gets really, really nervous. He starts thinking about, oh man, what's Esau going to do? What's going to happen when I get home? He starts to overthink it. And he says, well, I'm going to send my family over this river, and then I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. And I want, I want to pick up the story here in verse 22. It says, now Jacob arose the same night, and he took his two wives and his two maids and his 11 children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. And he took them and sent them across the stream. And he sent across whatever he had. And then Jacob was left alone. Now let's stop there. If the enemy can get us isolated, he really loves that, unfortunately, because he knows that when we get stuck in our own head, it's very, very hard to stop ourselves from worry. If we can get isolated, if we can overthink things, that is very easy for us to begin to doubt God and to put strength in ourselves. So Jacob, after having an encounter with God, he gets alone. But here's what happens. A man wrestled with him until daybreak. A man wrestled with Jacob. And when he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of his thigh. Okay, who's doing what? When this man could see that he could not shake Jacob, he touched the socket of his thigh. So the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. Now that sounds painful. I've dislocated my shoulder. I can't imagine dislocating my hip. What a disaster. And he said, let me go, for dawn is breaking. This is the angel speaking, or the man, whatever your translation says. But Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. There he goes again. Just That's the character of Jacob. Hey, I want a blessing. I've been wrestling for hours. I'm not leaving until I get a blessing. And so he responds, well, what's your name? And he says, Jacob. And he responds, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. And so Jacob named the place Peniel, for he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been preserved. Now the sun rose upon him, and just as he crossed over Peniel, he was limping on his thigh. 
And therefore, to this day, the sons of Israel do not eat the sinew of the hip, which is on the socket of the thigh, because he touched the socket of Jacob's thigh in the sinew of the hip. Now, what a story. What an encounter. I don't think we have to try real hard to figure this out. Jacob wrestled with God. He says, I have fought with God face to face. What an interesting event. This isn't just a story. This really happened. This is real. Now, what is so fun is to notice that Jacob does not pick a fight with the man. It says the man starts going after Jacob. Why would God do this? Now, I've thought about this many times as a little boy. I would hear this story and go, wow, that's really interesting and just kind of go past it. But what we see here is that this is a theophany. This is an appearance of the pre-incarnate Christ, the second person of the Trinity. We know him as Jesus. I know that was a lot of words. Jesus himself showed up and he fought with Jacob. Why would he do this? Why the wrestle? Now I want you to look here. Back in verse 25. It says, when he saw he had not prevailed against him. I just love that picture that Jacob was resisting the situation. That he was just fighting. He didn't want to be in it. But then the moment that he was touched, then he wouldn't let go. And let me tell you, here's what happens in our life. We will get so anxious and we will get so worried and resist trusting God. And there's times where God, he's going to have to get our attention. And there's going to be situations where we're going to see God working. And it's tough sometimes to just surrender. It's tough to just admit, I, I don't have all the answers. God, I'm going to have to rely on you. I don't want to go through the hip dislocation spiritually. And yet sometimes that's just what we need. Sometimes we need to see God work in a huge way in our life so that way we can say, you know what, you were right and I'm wrong. Because notice what happened. The moment he got touched, then he wouldn't let go. Instead of resisting, he clinged to God. That is the difference, is when we're in that moment of life saying, God, I'm so desperate, I'm not letting go. I have no one else to turn to. Now, if you notice Jacob's life, he constantly was fighting with people. He was constantly getting on bad terms. And so God, in his infinite wisdom, knew, well, this guy needs a fight. I'm going to pick a fight with this guy because this is, this is the way to get his attention. And so we see, and I love this, we see God ask him his name. Now, God knows everything. Why would he ask him his name? Jacob needed to admit who he was. Jacob needed to admit, I'm a trickster. I'm a deceiver. That's my name. And sometimes we need, we need to admit and say, God, I'm a warrior. God, I'm a stressor. God, I'm anxious. I'm constantly anxious over things. But guess what? Guess what? God has given us a new name. Amen? You know who he sees us as now? His child. Now he sees us as born again. So now when we get asked, who are you? We can respond, I'm your child. I'm different. I've met people who say, I'm just a warrior. No, that's not true. That's not who you are anymore. Well, I'm just kind of an anxious person. I'm, I'm, I, just, I just worry about things. That doesn't have to be your story anymore. I would bet that every single time people would or meet Jacob and they'd say, what's your name? I bet he said, I'm Israel. I, I, I bet he didn't use that name anymore. I bet he wanted to use the name that God gave him. 
And so what we need to remember is that struggling with anxiety, struggling with not knowing the future, to continue to rely on our own strength is missing out on God's best. To continue to be anxious, to continue to fear, we're revealing, I'm having a hard time trusting you. I'm having a hard time looking to you and thinking that you're really going to come through. That was just Jacob's life. He lived a life where it, it, it would appear that he didn't really think that God would come through. Do you believe that God will come through for you in 2019? Now here's what I love. I love this. It says he left with a limp. This wasn't just a dream, because Jacob, he saw some great dreams. I would call him a hard rocker. Do you remember that night when he slept on the rock? Anyway. <laughs> Jacob saw some dreams. And yet this was a real event. This was something that really happened to him. I wonder if we carry a spiritual limp. I wonder if we are able to walk around where people can see, you know what? You have lived your life in a way where you have surrendered and trusted God and where you are relying on Him to get you through. See, you know what the limp signified? That he had experienced an interaction with God. The limp showed that he had met with God. And here's what I want for myself, what I want for our church family. I want when people look at us for people to say, this person has had an interaction with God. This person has met with God. And the evidence is, is that they're not relying on their own strength. They're not putting all the thought and effort into their worries and fears. They're trusting in their Lord Jesus to get them through. That's what I want. I want every single time when people look at our church to say, these people are trusting God. These people are not getting anxious. They are down on their knees, praying, seeking after God to lead and guide. Here's what happens with Jacob. When he goes and he meets because he does end up meeting Esau. You know what happens? The two brothers embrace. There's not fisticuffs. There's not a fight. Now, what would have happened if Jacob had just gone on his way? We don't know. We don't know what would have happened. And yet we see that by Jacob having the interaction with God, it went the way God wanted it to go. Now, what is so unfortunate is that sometimes in our life we think, that God is going to answer all our prayers in the way that we want it, that we think that God is going to fix everything in the way that we've asked Him to. That's not, that's not always what's going to happen, is it? We know that. But our question today is this, is can I trust Jesus to do what is right in my life? I'm sure that before the wrestle, Jacob would have preferred to have not carried a limp. But after the wrestle. I'm sure he didn't want it any other way. Wouldn't you agree? I'm sure that he was so relieved to have met God face to face because he was always after that blessing and that's what he got. And here was the blessing. It was surrender. Instead of the fear and the anxiety and the worry that we will so often just put on ourselves, look what happens. We just read it in Philippians 4. Look what happens when we trust. There is a peace. There is a joy. There is uh, a love from him that we get to experience in a way that we didn't even know was possible. And that comes by trusting him. Paul, in 2 Corinthians 12, is talking about just the things he's been experiencing. And I'd like to read you 2 Corinthians 12. 
verse 9. He says, and he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. And so Paul says, most gladly then, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Ooh, now that's some good stuff. That is encouraging. I would rather walk with a spiritual limp and say, hey, I'm not in charge. Jesus is in charge. Don't look at me to be in charge. I'm relying on him. I'd rather boast and say, I don't have it all together, but I know who does, and that's who I'm putting my trust in. Right? That should be our heart. I think about the spiritual stamina that Jacob exhibited. Boy, to go all night with that wrestle, he must have been a strong guy. That's how I want to be to be able to spend time with God, in, even if it's long and grueling, to say, God, I'm not leaving here until you give me peace. God, I'm spending time in your presence. I'm praying with you. I'm not leaving this coffee shop, you know, our figurative coffee shop, until you help me. I need you. I'm worried. I'm anxious. You're telling me to be anxious for nothing, and yet I'm, I'm struggling with the future or with the present, and I don't know what to do. What we're going to discover is that in those moments of honesty, in those moments where we're truly looking to him to help us, we're going to discover that he gives us more than we could ever imagine. Himself. He's not any more close to us than when we're just not letting go. And that's how I want to be. Cast our cares and worries on him because he cares for us. What a promise. What a promise. As we look at this man's life, and as we look at Jacob, it's so easy for us to get to the point where we examine him and we see the mistakes that he made and the things that are really good. So to bring it home, to bring it here, how can we look at his life of a man who was up and down, up and down, and how can we do it differently? How can we be different than a man like Jacob who was given a name change, who we look as a hero in scripture, and yet he made mistakes. How can we look at his life and do it differently? What you don't see in him is a lot of prayer, but when there is prayer, there's change. Here's what I'm asking us to do this year. I want us to pray like never before. Instead of overthinking, instead of getting stressed, what if we just spent time in prayer? What if we just spent more time in prayer? What if instead of saying, how am I going to fix this? How am I going to go about bringing about what I think needs to happen? What if instead of that being our first go-to, we said, well, Jesus, you're the guardian of my soul, and you're not going to let anything come in that takes you off guard. Jesus, I'm going I'm to come to you now, and I'm going to ask you to take care of me, and I'm going to wait for you to do it. See, it says in Psalm 37 that those who fret, it leads to evil doing. So we don't need to be fretters, worriers, anxious folk, but instead, we need to see that by being patient and by being Willing to wait on him is where we're going to find victory. So if you've got your bulletin, uh, you got a word of the week in there, and it is an additional way to help us with worry. As we close, here's what I want us to think about this morning. Instead of saying, like, well, what do I do with certain anxious thoughts? How do I overcome uh, maybe this issue? 
the purpose of today is not for us to find like a, a how-to to get over anxiety. The purpose of today is to remember it's already available. And his name is Jesus. We don't have to look for ways to get over our fears. We don't have to look for other things to, to get us to get by. What we see with Jesus is that he doesn't want us to cope. He wants to eliminate eliminate fear and worry. Not just say, well, here's some steps to kind of get you through it. He wants to remind you today through his word that he wants to eliminate the things that are making you so fearful. Don't resist him. Don't be like Jacob who's wanting to get out and say, I can handle it. I can get over my own problems. Cling to him and say, I'm not letting go until you help me. Is he keeper of his word? You better believe it, then he's going to keep his word to you and he's going to help you. Here's what I want to offer to you this morning. Um, I'm going to pray and I just want to give you time, if you just want to come down to the altar, to just pray. We have a whole year ahead of us that we can spend to truly glorify and to worship God and to spend time in his presence and to lead others to him or to get so inwardly focused that we forget about what he wants us to do. This is going to be a wonderful year. I think it would be wonderful to just take this time to just dedicate it and say, Jesus, I'm not going to be a warrior. I'm not going to stress. This is your year. I'm going to walk with that limp and wait on you and trust you. So I'm going to pray and then I'm going to give us time to do that. Father, we love you. And we need you. And my prayer this morning is that we would come away knowing you in your heart toward us. Jesus, you don't want us to go alone through anything. You don't want us to struggle. You want us to know the true peace that you have to offer. And that's what I'm asking for my friends in this room. Lord Jesus, I want more than anything than for us to be quick and in a rush to go to you first, that we would discard the fear, discard the anxiety that plagues us, and to be willing to rely on your strength. Thank you that I don't have any reason to boast in myself, but everything to boast in you. You're so good, and we love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.